Matthew chapter number 7. And I want to read one verse of Scripture. I kind of gave you a tip as to what I might be preaching about tonight. So uh, I think we're going to have a little fun with it. How many enjoys having a little fun serving God? Praise God. Didn't the Lord move in a glorious way here this morning? Praise God. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 6, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. About to say the dogs. Neither cast you your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. I want to preach simply tonight from this subject. Don't feed the dogs. Don't feed the dogs. Now, I've been to um, different wildlife parks and places. where there was wildlife, maybe a state park or something like that, and occasionally you'll see these signs up that says, please don't feed the animals. I've even seen one that said, don't feed the bears. I thought to myself, no problem. Don't believe I'm going to be tempted not one little bit to feed the bears. But it uh, means don't leave any food out, don't, don't, don't feed them because... Uh, their reasoning is is that when you're gone and your vacation's over and the winter months come in, that they're going to be relying on these handouts and uh, they're not going to be able to survive in the wild if they get used to you feeding them. There's a little different reason that the Lord had when he was saying to his followers, don't, don't feed the dogs. And I want to preach about that here tonight. Don't feed the dogs. Turn around to your neighbor and just, just say that to him. Don't, don't feed the dogs. Don't call him a dog. Tell him don't feed the dogs. Clap your hands to the Lord, church. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. One of the places that I lived, and the reason I so despise moving now is because I think by the time I was grown, I, I don't know exactly how many times, it was upwards over 10 times, I know, 10 to 15 times I had moved in my lifetime, and so I really don't care for moving. But one of the places that we, that we lived, my father owned a trailer park, and adjacent to that was some acreage that he owned that we had a house on that was nearby where he could manage this mobile home park. And I don't know what it is about a mobile home park, but it was an attractant for people that were dropping off unwanted pets. I don't know, maybe they thought there was a lot of kids there, there's going to be a lot of families, a lot of houses, somebody would take that in and uh, adopt that pet and begin to take care of it and uh, make it their own, and so uh, it soothed their conscience. They felt better about dropping it off. And so as a young boy, many times I would come wagging up these dogs that had been dropped off, and uh, most of them was Heinz 57. You know what that is. That's a dog that you can't really determine what its breed is. It has a little bit of everything, and... um, I'd come dragging them up, and my father would tell me, said, you already have a dog. And he said, I'm absolutely demanding of you that you don't feed them, that uh, if you don't feed them, they'll move on. They'll go on and leave us alone and won't pester us anymore, and they won't stay around. Because he realized and knew that if you feed a dog, and you know this, it's going to stay around. It's most likely to become comfortable. It's most likely to want to make that their home, and it's a whole lot harder to get rid of them if you feed them. In this Sermon on the Mount, that's where we read from here tonight, this verse of Scripture, 
Jesus is getting ready to give this audience that he's speaking to some tremendous insights on the subject of prayer. These verses are just after uh, the ones just after the one that we read are often quoted when we need the Lord to meet a need in our life. We often quote verse 7 which says, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you for everyone that asketh. And aren't you thankful for that promise? Everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh it shall be opened. And he goes on to compare in this text, in this talk about prayer. He goes on to compare us as fathers earthly fathers to him as a heavenly father. And he said, which one of you who has a son that asks for bread would give him a stone? He said, if he would ask for a piece of fish, would you give him a serpent instead? He said, you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your father in heaven give good things to them that ask him? But prior to instructing them about how to pray and how to, to really, all the nuts and bolts of praying and, and uh, how to effectively pray, and how many, how many knows that prayer needs to be affected? The Bible talks about the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, availeth much. We know that a lot of times the reason why prayers are not answered is because we're not praying effectively. Many times people... Uh, seem frustrated in their prayers because they are not praying effectively. But he is giving them the nuts and the bolts of effective prayer and how to pray. But before all of that, he teaches them about preparing to approach the Lord in prayer. How many knows that your heart has to be right before God? It not only says the effectual prayer, but it says of a righteous man availeth much. Our heart being right, our motives being pure when we approach God in prayer is very important. And he is teaching them how to prepare to approach the Lord in prayer. And he tells them and teaches that their prayer, in order for it to be effective, they first have to deal with some internal issues. He first says, judge not that you be not judged. He said, you got to deal with your judgmental spirit and attitude. He goes on to teach them about getting the beam out of their own eye before they become overly concerned and uh, fixated on uh, somebody else and the, the, the moat uh, that is our, get, get, the, get, the, get the moat out of your eye before you worry about anything else. He said, get, get that situation in your life taken care of before you worry about anybody else. When you approach the Lord in prayer, you can't be thinking about your brother's problem. You can't be thinking about judging them and their situation. But if you want your prayers to be answered, you not only got to be right with God vertically, but you've also got to be right with your brothers and sisters in the Lord horizontally. Amen. That's sometimes the part that we leave out. If we want prayer to be answered, we need to make things right between our brothers and our sisters in the Lord. Well, anyway, praise God. Clap your hands to the Lord. And then he, he gets to our text and he says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. What he is simply saying is this. Don't give your enemy anything. Don't give the devil any room. Don't give your doubt any oxygen. Choke it out. Don't feed things or even people that would bring you down, that would destroy your faith, or that would take away from your relationship with God, or steal your joy. Walk away from some things, some things that you walk away from in life you'll be better off having walked away from them. Don't, don't dignify some things. Don't, 
Don't put your approval on some things. Don't be passive about certain things. Learn to say no. Not everything in life is a yes. At some point or another, you're going to have to be courage, courageous enough as a child of God and look the devil in the eyes and say, no, I don't believe I'm going to allow you to do that. I'm going to quit letting you trample on me in that area. I'm going to quit being a yes man, a yes saint, a a, a, a yes child. I'm going to only say yes to the Lord, but I made up my mind to say no to you. You got to choose to slam the door in the devil's face. And by doing so, you'll strengthen your faith. And create an atmosphere where God can move in your life. Can I tell you that you can't strengthen your faith and feed your doubts at the same time? That's why the Bible said neither give place to the devil. There's got to be some perimeters. There's got to be some fences built. Come on, I'm talking about in your spirit. I'm talking about in your mind. Some areas that you don't let the devil be a trespasser in. That you don't let the devil traffic in. When that thought of doubt comes in your mind, you immediately cast down that vain imagination. When when that thought of failure enters your mind, automatically you cast it away. You throw it away. You you make up your mind, I'm not going to allow the devil to lead me around on a leash. I'm not going to let the devil continue to badger me in certain areas of my life. I'm not going to feed him and be passive towards him and just get along with him, but I'm going to resist him and stand up to him. I'm not going to feed that thing any longer. Oh, somebody say praise the Lord. My daddy didn't want me feeding dogs uh, for many reasons, not because he was hard-hearted, not because he disliked dogs in general, not because uh, he had some kind of issue with the dog itself, but because he knew the nature of some of those dogs. He knew the characteristics of their breed and their bloodline. And it was a danger to feed a pit bull when you got children in a mobile home park around. He knew that he would be liable if he did so. And it wasn't wise to allow that. I remember one time against my daddy's desire uh, feeding one of those strays. It was a, a little terrier that had obviously some pit bull characteristics in it. And it was just a little puppy, and and uh, unbeknownst to my dad, he was very busy. I was kind of feeding this thing on the side, and there was a lot of land there in mobile home parks, and he just didn't put it together that it was my dog and that I was feeding it. But uh, one of my responsibilities during the summertime was to uh, mow some of the yards that was there for different tenants that would hire me to do so. And also, if a tenant didn't mow their lawn, when we would give them a warning and tell them, if you don't mow your lawn, we're going to mow it for you, but we're going to add it to your rent. Pretty good deal for a young boy trying to make it through the summer. And uh, so I, 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 I took a little delight, I don't know, took a little delight of, of issuing those warnings because I knew I'd get 20 bucks for mowing the lawn. And so I'd go out there with my little push mower, and uh, one day I was, I was mowing the lawn. That dog was there with me. And this couple had a young daughter that had walked out in the yard, unbeknownst to me. And I looked around, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw some movement. And I saw that little dog that was so innocent when I began to feed it. Now uh, it was uh, uh, more than just a puppy, probably uh, six, eight months old. But it was jumping up, and it was biting uh, that little girl. And that little girl was screaming. And uh, I remember the guilt that I felt. I, thankfully, she was not hurt, but I remember the, the guilt that I felt, and I knew that it never would have happened had I not fed that dog in the first place. By feeding it, it was enabling it. It was an accomplice. I was an accomplice to this situation. Uh, when you feed your doubts, when you feed your fears, when you listen to unbelieving voices, you're enabling the devil to work 
in your life and limit God's power and his ability to do things for you that you desire him to do. Your faith, can I tell you that faith is a sacred thing. The apostle Paul said that I have fought a good fight and I have kept the faith. Amen. What he was saying is I have to guard it. I I have to keep it. I have to hold on to it. I've had to defend my faith. There's things that have come against my faith. There's things that have fought my faith. There's, There's times when my faith has struggled and there's times when I felt like my faith may fail, but I kept after a long life and all the trials and the struggles that I've had and and all the resistance from the enemy, I have managed to keep the faith. Can I tell you that success when you've made it through your life living for God and you can reach the end of it and say I've kept the faith. Amen. I'm continuing to stand for the truth. I'm continuing to believe God that he's still the miracle worker, that he's still the healer, that he's still the deliverer, that he's still the one that pours his spirit out. He's still the one that has the ability to bring revival. I've kept it. Amen. Your faith is a sacred thing. I think sometimes we don't have a proper appraisal of the value of faith. Faith is too holy. Faith is too precious. Faith, amen, is too valuable for me to be giving it to the dogs. For me just to be giving it away to the devil. For me to allow things to come in and ravage it and destroy it. Amen. And take it away from me. It's too precious for You've got to keep the faith. Now these dogs they were dealing with in the New Testament, uh, they're not like the dog that you got at home. They're not like that little cocker spaniel that's so cute or that little poodle or, or dachshund. Not like Fido or Spot or Bruiser. Uh, These dogs were different. These dogs were not man's best friend. These dogs were were dangerous. Everybody say dangerous. Uh, They would bite you. They would rend you. They would turn on you. They would harm you. They would hurt you. So Jesus warned them. He was pretty emphatic about it. He said, don't give that which is holy. To these dogs. Don't give something as holy as your faith to the dogs. Don't give something as valuable as your prayer life to the dogs. Don't give something as sacred as your worship to the dogs. It's amazing how that some folks when they come to church, they, they so easily give up. They so easily give in. A little bit of discouragement, little distraction, little confusion, little problem, little offense, little situation. And they're giving away their worship. They're giving away time that should be given to the Lord. They're giving away uh, prayer time. They're giving away consecration time. They're giving away their commitment unto God. I'm going to tell you sometimes you've got to you got to harness this flesh and take a hold of the reins of your mind and make up your uh, mind and commit to yourself uh, that I am going to stay focused on what God is doing and what God is up to. Uh, I'm not going to allow something that I've fought this long for just to be given up on. I'm not going to let the devil take it away from me. Just, just, I'm not going to walk in here after having won this victory and come this far and allow the devil to cause me to step back and just let him raid me, let him ravage me, let him steal from me, let him plunder every bit of joy that I've gained. Let me, let me, uh, just, just walk out of here feeling defeated. Let me walk out of here feeling like I've been overcome. No, this is a place where we we come to get more victory, not give up anything. The Bible said we're to go from glory to glory and faith to faith. I don't see anywhere in that that we're to back up. I don't see anywhere in there that we're to go in reverse. I don't see anything in there but progress and going forward. Praise God. Come on, clap your hands and let's give praise to the Lord. Several different breeds of, of dogs. 
and I'm going to talk about some of them tonight. They all have certain traits and personalities, and uh, even even certain bloodlines of dogs. They breed certain things into them that is natural and it's instinctive to them. I'm interested in and in, uh, in uh, hounds that that uh, some of them they call them tree and walkers. Some of them running walkers, and, and they got all kinds. They got they got uh, blue ticks and red ticks and all them kind of ticks. They got black and tan. They got they got all. Some of them are noted for being cold nosed. Some of them are hot nosed. That means if if they start barking, they're right on the scent. I mean, it's it's not been very long that the old coon or fox or whatever it is they're after has been through there. Others they'll trail all night on one old cold trail and finally find it after hours. And it just depends on your style of hunting, what you want. Some dogs, they, they don't bark until they're, they're right on the, the hog or right there at, at the prey that they're after uh, until they see it. They don't bark. Some, they bark and run that hog through the woods for miles before they ever have the opportunity to bay it up. And so it's just all a personal preference. There's different personalities and traits that goes into this. But uh, I've owned some different dogs. And. And I know the personality. I'd like to, to liken these things to uh, some, some areas that the devil tries to defeat us and areas that we don't need to feed the devil in. Some dogs that you need to refuse to, to feed in your life. There's intimidating dogs. And I know you're sitting in here in this secure building and you're sitting here thinking about Fifi at home and you're thinking about nothing's intimidating about that dog. I'll never forget when I was when I was in Bible school. I had a crew working for me, and uh, I took them out in a pretty bad neighborhood. And I don't know what it is about them bad neighborhoods, but they always got some big old bulldog or something in the yard. And and uh, I remember this cool cat by the name of John Detweiler. He was he was walking up. He was one of those guys that had his hair moosed up just perfect. He always had his pants legs pegged. And uh, his his jeans pressed and and a polo, uh, nice shirt, colorful shirt on, and everything was in place. And he was walking up, had his sunglasses on. He was walking up to the door, had went through the chain link fence, was walking up to the door, and all of a sudden, it, it caught him. What what was going on around the side of the house? There was a big old Rottweiler that came around the side of the house at full bore. I mean, it was showering down on him. And I never seen a boy move from a slow gait to a fast run so quickly. I mean, he went from prancing and walking up there and his little uh, swagger. All of a sudden, he's running as fast as he possibly can. He barely makes it through the gate and gets the gate shut behind him. And the dog hits the gate. And he's standing there and he's wiping beads of sweat off his forehead. And he said, man, I don't know if this job's worth it. I don't know if you're paying me enough to do this. Intimidating dogs. Chanel and I was... Walking down through the streets of the neighborhood, sometimes uh, we we take a walk in the evening times, and so I was walking. It was getting dark outside, and we was walking up a street there, and and uh, all of a sudden, I mean, out of the darkness comes this yipping and barking, and uh, this thing, I mean, was fast as grease lightning. It came off the porch down through the yard, out in the street where we were. Chanel got around behind me. And when I seen that thing coming, I knew I couldn't run from it. I knew I couldn't carry her and carry me too and get away from it. So I just turned around and I said, the only thing to do is to face it off. Amen. The only thing to do is resist it. And I turned around and I started running towards that dog. And I, I don't know, maybe it's a little foolish, but that thing was barking at me. I started barking at it. I said, oh, 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 like that. And when I did, that thing turned tail and ran back up on the porch and said, that fella is crazier than I am. There's times when you've got to get to the place that you refuse to be intimidated anymore. Fear is a tactic that the devil uses 
Come on. I said fear is a tactic that the devil uses to paralyze saints of God. Fear over failure. Fear over, over oh, stepping out in faith and believing God for something. Fear, amen, that what others might say and what others might think. Fear of the unknown. When fear controls us, faith can never work for us. It can never work through us. And 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18 said, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. Fear is tormenting. I said fear is a tormenting thing. Torments our minds. Amen. It's always badgering us. But the Bible says that perfect love casteth out fear. What is perfect love? It's being wholly committed to God. It's undivided love unto the Lord. It's totally devoted love. It's pure love. It's righteous love. And Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 1 said, the wicked flee when no man pursue. They're afraid of their own shadow because they know they don't got God working for it. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. If you're living for God, if you're serving the Lord, you don't have a reason to fear. You don't have a reason to tremble. You don't have a reason to be intimidated. You need to face the devil right in his beady eyes and say, I'm a child of God, and greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Devil, you thought I was going to run. Devil, you thought I was going to give in. Devil, you thought you had me. Devil, you thought I was going to be intimidated. And I got news for you. On this Sunday night, I'm going to face you this time. James chapter 4 and verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Fear will never leave until you resist it. I said, fear will never go on its own. You got to resist it. Intimidation will never go until you resist it. You got to turn and face that thing. I said, hey, I'm tired of you chasing me. I'm going to start chasing you a little bit. Hallelujah. The Bible said, the gates of hell shall not prevail. Against the church. Hallelujah. Come on. I wonder what would happen if some folks in this place would start putting some fear in the devil about what God's going to do in this church and what God's going to do in my family and what God's going to do in my home and what God's going to do in my life and what God's going to do in, in soon coming days right here. The revival that is breaking loose even as I speak. You know why there's dogs that are barking? You know why intimidation has tried to come upon some of you? It's because the devil knows. Amen. What God is up to and what God wants to do and as long as we shake down in intimidation it'll never happen but if somebody will boldly stand up and say God I don't have a reason to be afraid I'm going to stand in faith come on clap your hands and let's pray well let's, let's talk about another I've had dogs, my God. All they like to do is chew. I mean, I thought maybe I'm not feeding them enough. And I feed them more. Seemed like the bigger they got, the more they chewed. When we moved here, I thought, man, it'd be nice to get a little. I had a chocolate lab when I was a boy. It'd be nice to get a Labrador. I didn't know them's the chewingest rascals in all the world. Smart, intelligent dogs, but devious. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, we, we called that little dog Buddy. He was anything but a buddy by the time he left. We had, in, in the back of that house where we lived, we had, the only place there was siding on the house was in the backyard there around the patio. And I'm telling you, twice 
Twice, not once, twice. That dog chewed up that siding as high as he could get up on that wall. Masonite siding just chewed it completely around just as much as he could chew off the side of the wall. I, I thought, man, if he could get his mouth around these bricks, he'd chew some more too. We had some decorative, decorative trees that we'd come and put them in the backyard. We'd come back out there and they was fiddlesticks. He'd mowed them down. They was sawdust. There wasn't nothing left. He'd chewed them up. I thought, man, that thing's the chewingest rascal in all the world. And we had Brother Wisnet, Mike Wisnet was helping us with some paint. And uh, I came in one day, and that joker, that dog had a white muzzle on him. He was solid black, had a white muzzle. He had stuck his, I guess he thought there was something in that paint bucket that he could chew on. He said, man, I'm sorry about that dog getting painted. I didn't tell him this, but I thought, man, you got a bucket of super glue somewhere he can stick his nose in. Be fine with me. Chewing on everything. Everything. Amen. And uh, I would like to, to relate this to worry. We, we sometimes feel so justified in our worry. We think that worry is natural, and, and I suppose that it is a natural human instinct. We think that worry sometimes is not that big of a deal and that everybody has to deal with it, and everybody goes through it. But Jesus spoke out against worry in this same chapter that I read to you from tonight. He said, therefore, verse 25, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, not yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? And then he goes on down and said, Which of you, by taking the thought, can add one cubic to your stature? What's worry, he said, ever achieved? What, what has worry ever accomplished? You need to decide tonight that I'm going to stop allowing worry to chew on me and gnaw on me and destroy my faith in God. Don't let worry chew up your faith. Don't let worry chew up your dreams and your aspirations in God and your vision of what God can do. Uh, your, your, your job pressure uh, chews on you. and your, your school situation chews on you. Your health issues uh, it, it chews on you. It, family problems and situations, they, they chew on you. Amen. I'm going to tell you, worry has never achieved anything. It's not going to help you. You're not going to be able to change the situation by how much you worry about it. You're not going to put time in worrying and end up with any kind of answer or solution to the problem. Worry has never achieved anything. There's a little book. Uh, Dale Carnegie uh, wrote a long time ago, he, he called it Stop Worrying and Start Living. There's some fascinating stories in that book, and one of them is about a man during World War II that was in the Navy, and he was on a submarine, and in, 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 uh, they was traveling in that submarine, and, and they knew that there was a convoy of destroyer ships that were coming into the area where they were, and this was very dangerous for them. These were Japanese ships, and they were coming into the area where they were, and so it was demanded. They were down, uh, down pretty deep into the water, hundreds of feet down. And uh, it was demanded of them that uh, they turn every engine, uh, which would include all the air conditioning system, every, everything would be turned off that could cause any kind of vibration because they were using some type of a, a sensor, sonar sensor or whatever to detect where these submarines were. And so every engine had to be turned off. Everything had to be perfectly still. Any noise that was made by anyone inside could possibly be detected. So they were all called to go to their bunks and lay down and, and be there throughout the duration of this process for 15 hours. 
and it got up to 120 degrees in that in that cabin where they were because of the body heat and all those things, 120 degrees lying there. He said in that 15-hour span of time, we knew that, that death could be right around the corner. We knew that we were, we were right up against uh, a, a terrible situation that could happen. Uh, anything could take place. Our lives could be taken. Those, those ships could torpedo down to where we were or uh, a mine or whatever. They could, they could send a charge down to where we were and uh, take us out, and so we had to remain real still. And he said, while I was there pondering things and realized how dreadful the situation was, he said, I began to think about all the little measly things that I had worried about and that had dominated my thinking and caused me to fret and caused me to worry and, and uh, things that were just menial and things that didn't mean much at all. I had worried about little bit of, of situations on on uh, my family, and, and I'm worried about whether or not we, we had a big enough house and we had a nice enough car, and I worried about whether or not I had, had enough uh, uh, nice clothes and those kind of things. He said, all of a sudden, I, I made a vow to myself. I'm not going to worry about those things that don't mean anything anymore. I'm not going to focus on those things. I can't help those things. How many hours have I destroyed and how many, how many minutes and my life have just passed away and I've not been able to do anything productive because I've been dominated by worry. I'm making a choice from this day forward. I'm not going to live in worry. I'm not going to live underneath that trepidation. I'm not going to live underneath the intimidation of all of that. I'm going to get above that. I'm preaching to somebody in this house. Amen. You need to make up your mind tonight. There's some things I, I may not can change them, but I'm going to put them in God's hands. He's the one that can change them, and I'm going to quit worrying about them from tonight on. I'm going to quit dealing with it. I'm going to go to bed and get a good night's sleep. I'm going to let the peace of God take over. I'm going to quit worrying about things and I'm going to quit dealing with those things in my mind and fighting battles that I can't win and I'm going to have faith in God. Come on, you need to quit feeding that chewing dog of worry. You need to quit giving it opportunity in your life to beat you down and to beat you up and make up your mind. I'm not worrying about that anymore. It's in the hands of God. Come on, what did the scripture said? It said, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. about them, take them back up, take them home with us. Come back next Sunday, bring them to the altar. No sooner we get done praying, we pick them up and tote them home with us. Come on. And some of us are carrying around burdens that we've been carrying for years. Come on, it's time to lay them down and cast them on Him and give them to Him and say, God, you're the one that can take care of it. I know that I'm more important than the fowls of the air and the beast in the field. I know, God, if you can array the lily, you're going to take care of me. I know you're going to watch. If you'll provide for those that do not sow and do not reap and do not gather into barns, you'll take care of me. I'm working my job. I'm doing my best. I'm going to let you take care of the details, God. Hallelujah. I feel like we ought to just raise our hands and give some things to him right now. Come on. Give some things to him right now. Woo. Hallelujah. I release that. I'm not going to hold on to that. I'm not going to carry that around. Not another day. Come on, you'll feel a lot lighter when you walk out of here. You'll feel a lot better about things when you walk out of here. Had an old dog one time, half dome painter, half something else. And uh, we, a friend had taken me down to the river. I, I wasn't old enough to drive, and we went down to fish. And while we were there, there was a guy that had a truckload of dogs. He said, hey, son, you want a dog? And uh, I thought, well, I got two, but I sure could use another one. And uh, when I got home, Dad said, you're going to have to make some choices here. You have to get rid of a couple of them things. And so I chose this, this old dog, and well, it was a puppy. And uh, the reason I did is he was different from all the other ones that were there. And 
Another thing was, he'd come to me when I was calling. So I said, man, you got a pretty good deal going on here. So I took him home and called him River because I got him at the river. And uh, I'm going to tell you what about him. Uh, he was territorial. He didn't matter if there was a pack of dogs. He'd take them all on if they stepped on his soil, if they got on his turf. I mean, if, if, if a dog came by the house, uh, if it got anywhere near that yard, somebody would drive up. I had, had delivery men drive up. Holler out the window. Said, that dog bite? I said, he's never been known to. I said, I don't think he'll bite you, but he sure puts on a good front, doesn't he? I mean, baring teeth and growling and barking and carrying on frothing. I mean, he was intimidator, major time. But he was territorial. But I noticed something about him. He wasn't near as brave if you walked him down the street. He wasn't nearly as brave with the dogs down the way. But if they got up there on his territory, if they got in his yard, on his turf, oh yeah, some people never have any conflict with the devil because they're never taking any new ground. They're never growing. They're never maturing. They're never taking new territory for God. Some churches, they wonder why. I wonder why they're fighting the devil over there. I wonder why they're going through that. Oh, because, you, you know, you never, you never faced the challenge of taking new territory. You've never wanted to have revival. You've never been hungry enough to bust out. Amen. I guess you can just have a peace truce, and you can just live and exist and coexist with the devil if you, if you want to. I've seen some saints of God, they look around at others like, my God, why are you having so much trouble? Why, why, what's going on. Amen. I don't ever have that kind of stuff going on. Yeah, well, you don't pray either. You don't come to church half the time either. You don't live for God right either. Amen. Those of us that are trying to, to seek God do a work and we're, we're working for the Lord. We know that the kingdom of God suffers with violence and the violent take it by force. We, we know what kind of kingdom we're in. It's a kingdom of conflict and there's going to be battles and there's going to be warring and there's going to be fighting. Come on, the Bible talks about this thing being an army. Talks about us as saints of God being soldiers. Amen. You've got to sometimes suit up for battle and make up your mind. I want to take some new territory. And there's territorial spirits that, that sometimes exist. And if a church or saint of God starts breaking into that, you better get ready. There's going to be a spirit that is going to try to raise up and intimidate you and get you to back off and quit fighting for that blessing. Quit fighting for that anointing. Quit believing for what God can do. But I got news for you. We are going to take some new ground. We are going to take over the devil's turf in this city. We are going to expand. We are going to grow. We are going to progress. Come on, how many believes that? Oh, we're going to evangelize this city. We're going to try to make an impact upon this city. We're going to do what we can. Yes, there may be conflict, but it's not going to stop us from teaching a Bible study. It's not going to stop us from praying. It's not going to stop us from witnessing. It's not going to stop us from baptizing people in Jesus' name and praying them through to the Holy Ghost. Every time we come to church, it's time to take more territory. Come on, let's worship the Lord a little bit here tonight. Come on, if you're still inhabiting spiritually that little blocked off yard that you've been in all of your spiritual 20 years, you're still praying the way you've always prayed, worshiping the way you've always worshiped, doing what you've always done. You need to step it up a little bit. It's time to take new territory. Territorial dogs. Don't feed those dogs. I'm shutting it out. I'm not going to be intimidated by it anymore. And then, then, there's this dog's like to bark. Uh, 
I preached for Brother Davis down in Lufkin. And I mean that that brother, he had, he probably had 20. It seemed like it. I know it was over 10. But it was between 10 and 20 fox hounds. I said, well, you ever catch a fox? No. I said, you, you go hunt all night and you don't catch any? Sound like fun to me. He said, I just like to listen to them bark, brother. I said, you're the first fellow I ever knew. I like to listen to things bark. Oh, oh, oh. yeah, that's old, that's old, that's old Sam there, boy. He's, he's on it. Oh, that's Sally there, boy. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. I know their voice. I mean, they've listened to them so long, they know what they sound like. Sometimes them old hounds, they like to bark. I mean, just for no reason. And they haven't known, you probably live next door to one. And that's all they like to do is bark. I had that old dog over there in Wake Village. And, and uh, we had a yard, and I put him in a fence inside the yard. Because, I mean, that joker, he could tear more stuff up. So I had to kind of keep him confined, you know, and put him in a smaller fence. And the neighbor told me one day, he said, you know, that dog here. He said, all night long. He's barking and carrying on over there. So finally... I got to noticing who he was. He was barking, carrying on. So I'd go out there. I had a newspaper. And the way that house was, the way that fence was, I could make that newspaper sound like artillery going off. I mean, I'd say, shut up. Go to bed. It quietened down. And I got a hold of him with that newspaper. He wasn't no more getting hurt than anything, but it sounded like to him that I was killing him, and that's the way I wanted it to sound. I wanted him to feel like, I didn't really want him to feel like, I wanted him to think that he was close nigh unto death, and I was taking that newspaper to him, and it was echoing off the sides of those buildings in that house, kapam, kapam, kapam. He was a yelping around. I knew it wasn't no more hurting him than anything, but he was a yelping around like somebody had shot him. I said, I'm going to break that joker from barking. You know, that devil, he likes to come to church too. And he gets up next to people and he, and he just yelps and he just barks. You ain't going to get your healing tonight. You, you can't ever change. You, you, others may get their victory, but you ain't going to get your victory. You're never going to pray through this. You're never going to overcome this. Uh, this sickness is to death. Uh, th this problem is never going to go away. Oh, and he just keeps on barking. You know what somebody needs to do is make up your mind uh, tonight. Uh, I'm going to get uh, some rest uh, from all of this. Uh, I'm going to finally get some peace uh, from all of this. Uh, I refuse to let the devil keep on uh, dogging me, keep on barking and yelping and telling me lies. I'm a child of God. Even I got promise on my life. The Word of God said I can win. It said I can be healed. It said I can be delivered. Come on, are you tired of being badgered? Are you tired of being dogged and condemned and told you can't? Why don't somebody stand up and say, My God, I'm sick of this. Shut up, devil. Be quiet. I've listened to you long enough, doubt. I've listened to you long enough and believe. Musicians come. Come on, you got to drown out the background noise. Sometimes you just got to overcome whatever the devil's saying and get louder. Yeah, that's right. Praise God. You gotta, I said you got to get up and get louder. That's what Bartimaeus did. Yeah. And... Them disciples, them dogs, said, you can't get a miracle. You, you can't have audience with the Lord. You, you, today's not your day, Barnabas. And he could have said, you know what, you may be right. No, that's not what he said. The Bible said he cried out the more. Jesus! I got to get your attention. I need a miracle down here. 
Jesus. I'm blind. But I know you got power to help me to be able to see. Jesus, thou son of David. When he said those words, thou son of David, he had a revelation of who he was. This is not just a master, a good teacher, a good rabbi. This is, this is God manifest in the flesh. This is the Messiah. Jesus, thou son of David. When he was saying that, he said, I know who he came from. He come down through on his, uh, on his mother's fleshly side. He came down through the lineage uh, of David. Uh, amen. He has a human side too. So I'm going to appeal to that human side. Jesus, thou son of David. You know. You know what it is to have pain. You know what it is to feel alone. Amen. You know what I'm going through. You've seen people that are blind. You know you're more than just God. You've also been a man. You know what it is to experience Jesus, thou son of David. He got up above the noise of the disciples. He got up above the noise of the unbelievers. He got up above the noise of everybody that was around him and said there's only one person that I want to get attention and that's Jesus. Amen. Whatever I got to do, I'm not going to let this opportunity pass me by. That's some dogs you need to quit feeding tonight. Dogs of doubt. Dogs of unbelief. Come on. Don't give that which is, don't give your faith away just to anything. Don't give your consecration away just to some little old temptation that comes by. Don't give up something so valuable as your prayer life to some little temporal spirit of doubt that comes in and says, well, you're praying in vain. It ain't going to happen. No. No, I'm not accepting that. I'm not going to feed that dog. Amen. I'm tired of you playing havoc. I'm, I'm tired of you destroying. I'm tired of you rending. Oh, I'm tired of you chewing on me. Tonight, I'm going to get victory in Jesus' name. How about if somebody wants victory here tonight? Come on, is there a Bartimaeus in this house that will block out the noise uh, of, of people that say you can't and, and devils that say it won't happen uh, and unbelief that tries to talk you out? Uh, is there a Bartimaeus that will get louder, that will get more desperate, uh, that will get, get more fervent, uh, that will get more zealous uh, and say, God, I'm going to break through. Come on, somebody needs to get up above the noise that says it can't happen and start proclaiming yes in Jesus' name. Come on. It's time you, you get determined about it. It's time you get a made-up mind about it. I want you to put your hand on somebody's shoulder or take somebody by the hand or whatever's, whatever works. And I want you right now, I want you to, I want you to make up your mind that together we're going to break through to victory. Together we're going to break through to our miracle. Together we're going to break through to our answer tonight. Come on, young people, quit feeding those things. Make up your mind. Tonight's victory night.